How are we doing, ladies and gents? And welcome back to season two of the Crypto Circle podcast. We are so happy to be back. And what a crazy couple of months it's been, man. Like, wow. <laughs> the last kind of two months while we've been gone, you know, the majority of what's happened feels like it has happened within the space of a week. You know, the Elon stuff, the China news, everything that's happened literally just happened within that one week. And I know it's not been easy for a lot of you, myself included. I'll be very open about that. The mental struggles are real and they do take its toll after a while. But that's why we're in this industry. You know, we are here to make substantial returns over a short space of time. And that doesn't come easy, you know, as easy as it has been so far. And there's always going to be some bumps in the road. And unfortunately, this was a very big speed bump. (laughs) But let's bring it back to today's episode. Myself, Amish and Korean back together once again. And we've almost put together a timeline of events that took place while we were gone. You know, at the end of season one, we were talking a lot about Ethereum, ETHBTC being a major indicator for where the alts would go. So we're starting off with that. And we're kind of going through this journey together, guys. You know, I'm sure all of you have been keeping up with what's been going on in crypto in your personal lives, with your personal portfolios. But we're on this journey together. So we're going to rationally break down what took place and understand where we're going next. And of course, I ask Amish the all important question of whether the blueprint is void or not. You don't want to miss this one, guys. Here's a little snippet of what to expect. Do you feel that we were a little too bullish, a little too euphoric? I definitely do, yeah. And I think one thing I've learned from this is not to look at any of the charts because at that time, everything's irrelevant. I think the best indicator in them moments is your emotions and how you're feeling. And then as soon as we saw sub 30, that's when we were like, oh, wow, okay, shit. Has anything changed? Is the blueprint void? Do we need to consider any downside? Welcome, 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 guys. Season two of the Crypto Circle podcast. The current Bitcoin price is $56,800. And I'm joined by the good sirs, Amish and Korean. We're back together. 56? 56, man. We're, oh, 56, sorry, 36,800. <laughs> I, I was like, what happened in the last 30 seconds? Oh, man, I'm seeing, I'm seeing numbers, man. I'm seeing numbers. I'm seeing numbers. How are you both doing? I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little shaken up after that, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very well. Very well. Good, good, good. Corian, how are you doing, man? All is well, man. I can't complain. Glad to be back and get this season two underway. For sure, man. For sure. A lot has happened, man, since we've been away. I was just kind of reflecting just before. like, So the, the date the last episode actually went live was the 13th of April. So it's been a month and a half, pretty much a month and a half since we last recorded properly. And I looked on the Bitcoin chart and we actually topped out, well, not topped out, but put our local top in the day after April the 13th. That so was it. That, that, was it. <laughs> that was it, man. That was the signal. That was the bad it, luck, man. It was, it was awful. And then just as a reference, it's, it's bank holiday. It's... 31st of May, Monday, today. So yeah, it seems like we had the uh, the local top and it seems like the market was waiting for us to come back to turn bullish. Um, mm-hmm. If it does, then obviously it was um, fully planned and we knew this was going to happen. Um, and if it doesn't, then oh well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, it, yeah, it's, it seemed like it was a bit of bad luck with Mr. X on that last podcast and then we just dumped. But yeah, man, like I said, a lot's happened and it's bank holiday today in the UK, as Amish mentioned. The sun's out and... Uh, Spirits are spirits are high, I'd say, you know. It seems a lot more well, there's a lot more optimism in the air than it was, I don't know, what, ten days ago? Yeah, it feels like this is what people needed, right? A bit of sun, bit of a, a Monday off from work. 
you know um, just, just, wait, just wait till cancer season starts and then God knows all time it's coming, coming bro <laughs> Bro, we're getting, we're getting that US weather over here for once, Corian, man. We know how you guys feel now. Oh, you know how it feels now? Yeah, that man. everybody's like outside in the sun's just basking in the ambience. For real, man. For real. Oh, man. Okay. So, like I said, it's been a month since we've been away and a ton has happened. I want to kind of start with ETH BTC because that's kind of what our focus was really towards the back end of the last season and what we were kind of focusing on and putting all our attention in. Now, again, I'm going to keep referencing the 13th of April as that's the last day we kind of recorded and put an episode out. Around that time, ETH BTC was at 0.03 and it went on to do 0.08, which is incredible. Yeah, I mean, that at this point of the of the cycle and according to phase two, that's our one and only real reference point. And if you just look at that chart, everything is well and truly intact. So, and not only has it come a long way since you know, the last couple of weeks, there's still a lot more upside to go, a lot more. A little quick question really quick for the people who don't kind of know what the ETH BTC chart is or how to reference it or how it even works. Could you just give them a little snippet or a quick little thing real quick about how it works or what it is? You go for it, bro, man. Lay it down, man. Lay it down. Let everyone know. Let everyone know. I think it's just basically my particular perspective is how the price of Ethereum basically is in reference or pegged against the price of Bitcoin as opposed to the U.S. dollar. So if you look it up on TradingView or whatever trading platform you use, the prices will be basically more in Satoshi value than it would be in a U.S. dollar value. And so by Ethereum taking off versus Bitcoin currently, how we look at it in the market cycle, it's just basically saying that Ethereum is outpacing Bitcoin at this particular point, which is why we in the blueprint are basically in phase two. Mm. ETH BTC currently up around 6% on the day as well. ETH USD up around 10% and BTC only up 3% still. So even though we have had that crash, ETH is still showing signs of, of strength at the moment still, which is which is good to see. Yeah, ETH looks yeah, super bullish. If you look at the te- technicals, ETH looks super bullish. It's just it's just kind of, I know we don't try and reference too much of these short-term technicals, but breakout retest, I mean, it looks really, really good. Till about 3,200, I think ETH looks really, really good here. And we've saying over the last week or two that ETH generally looks stronger than Bitcoin, which is what we expected. And it just looks a lot more, it only has recovered better, but it just looks a lot more bullish than than Bitcoin has done in the last 10, 10 days or so. Yeah, definitely, man. And then just kind of moving on to alts, uh, just as a whole, uh, separately after ETH, you know, we've seen things like, for example, Solana was roughly around about $28 when we, when we recorded at the end of that season, it went on to do $60 plus. So insane gains there as well and the whole alt market really exploded soon after BTC topped out so we had that initial crash when BTC put the local top in made the lower high where a lot of people were bullish I was kind of included as well and then we got hit with the FUD the Elon Musk and all that kind of rubbish which kind of put a huge dent in the market and really kind of dropped the sentiment which hasn't really recovered since you know we're still around that extreme fear on the fear and greed index so yeah I think still a long way to go until we see that euphoria again in markets. Do you feel, and again, in hindsight, which is a, a term that we've used a lot over the last week, yeah, yeah, do you feel that we were a little too bullish, a little too euphoric? I definitely do, yeah. And I think one one thing I've learned from this is not to look at any of the charts because at that time, everything's irrelevant. I think the best indicator in them moments is your emotions and how you're feeling. 
because a lot of the conversations I was having with people, you know, they were like, they were planning for what they were going to do with their money because they were just so, mm-hmm. so euphoric and so high on the money that they've made, you know, and I think your emotions are, are, are the best indicator you can, you can take at that time. Yeah. And even, I mean, we were saying how quickly our Satoshi value was increasing. Yeah. That was what we were talking about a lot. <laughs> day on day. And yeah, I mean, one thing this market has shown us time and time again is that, you know, you will be humbled very quickly and very, very strongly before you can even start looking at anything, you know, too far ahead in the future, should we say? Yeah. I think the the euphoria pretty much, I think we, of course, like we say, in hindsight, we do think we're a little bit too euphoric at the time. But I don't think while we were in it, we actually thought that because we saw so many next price targets that could have potentially been hit based on the money flow. And of course, you know, we can't time the corrections, but every time, you know, you think you've gotten it figured out, it gives us a new set of cards to play. So I I think in hindsight, of course, it's like, yeah, we're a little too euphoric, but I think it also shows a lot of people who were very euphoric, who were outside of people who really pay attention to this market consistently, mainly new retail investors. It showed them and gave them kind of a little bit of a welcome into this is what this market is actually about. Even though everybody's making gains from different projects that they may hear about from their friends, just also just a little wake up call that this is still a very volatile market and it has, you know, gains upwards and downwards of large proportions. Yeah. And I think just the last month we'd seen the Doge, that was literally euphoria. You know, Elon went on Saturday Night Live, basically mocking the whole thing. Um, Shiva, Safe Moon, you know, there was, again, there were signs there, I suppose, in hindsight. And, and retail, especially new retail, were very, very euphoric. And that probably should have been a, a, an indicator for, and again, something that we'll look at going forward for us, for us who are maybe a little more experienced. You know, I'm not saying we've been in here from day one, but we, we have a lot more of an objective view when you see new retail investors coming in. Yeah, and I think it also really quickly, it'll prepare us now, something that we've kind of also been talking about the past week. It also just prepare us now to have just maybe a little bit more of a profit-taking strategy during the cycle. Because myself, I'm just particularly, I mentioned it before, someone who's just like, I'm just holding all the way through. But if you look at, you know, how we understand the cycle from spot by perspective, I think I'll probably just take at least a small portion of profits off the table to continue moving forward. Yeah, that was my biggest regret, man, not kind of taking a little bit of profit on the on, on the way up. I, I was thinking to myself as well, when we were towards that, that, that peak before we put that local top in, I was thinking... Do I do I move a little bit of it into Bitcoin? And obviously hindsight is the greatest, the greatest thing in the world, you know. But yeah, it is what it is, man. I guess lessons learned, you know, lessons learned. The market can even humble, you know, people who are experienced in this space like us as well. I, I would say we're experienced, but this is only our second cycle. So we're, we're, we're more experienced than others, should we say? Yeah. All right. Okay. So we had the old moves. Absolutely insane. Sat values going crazy. And then the Bitcoin FUD came. Elon Musk, when the, the week that he put out that Tesla were no longer accepting Bitcoin for the, uh, to purchase their cars. Everything just went tits up from there. Like we never really recovered. It was just foot after foot after foot and the market just never really recovered. What do you guys think? I know, I know I'm sure what you're going to say with Elon Musk. I mean, <laughs> I mean, wasn't, wasn't the Doge Saturday night fit live thing. Wasn't that even before? Yeah. I think that was the weekend. Yeah, that, was that, like was, that, was, that was literally the top where he goes, there was the skit that, you know, they said, well, what is it? And he just kind of, yeah. And they asked him about three, four times. And they said, it's, um, it's just a hustle. And he goes, yeah, it's a hustle. 
and I, and I think that was literally the, the day before. Obviously, we were we were looking across the market, and it was around seventy cents at that point. And people were just swearing, "This is it. He's going to send it to a dollar literally overnight." And obviously, we've been in this space, and we're like, "It doesn't work like that." You know, it's just, just too obvious. It's going to be the complete other way around. Mm. And that seemed to be the start in the domino effect, should we say? Yeah, because that energy fund was it. It really, really engrossed the whole space, right? And it was the first real kind of blemish on Bitcoin's brand that you could really put on there, right? Even though it was. It's not really true to, to, to an extent, right? The, the energy fund isn't really fully true. I think a lot of the mining coming out of the US is renewable, right? I think 74% of it in North America is, is renewable, yeah. Yeah. Which, is, and, which is a great start. And it's in geographically positioned places where there's an excess of energy anyway, isn't there? So it's not just, yeah. you know, you can just, just set up a mining rig in Preston because you want to mine in Preston. It's... There's a bit more to it than that, isn't there? Yeah, I feel I feel as well, Corey, in your perspective on this, I feel like the US, especially under Biden's um, policies and stuff, they're going a lot more green right now, aren't they? So that would make sense more. Because ma- uh, another thing that kind of came up was China banning mining. And again, that wasn't true. They're just banning coal mining. They want to kind of reduce down on that. So with them looking to go more green and the US looking to go more green under Biden's policies, the US seems like a perfect hub for Bitcoin mining now. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. I think we're just really quick to go back to the Elon thing is that I feel like once he realized the post that he had on the retail investors, he just began to just wave his wand and, you know, flaunt his peacock feathers and say, okay, well, all of these people listen to me. Maybe you didn't even know you had this many followers or had this much influence. And so to see people, you know, follow this and come into this market and make a lot of decisions based on him, of course, you know, we think that that was a very egotistical move is what I'll leave it at. And so also under Biden's administration and, you know, becoming green, I see the U.S. as being a huge hub for Bitcoin mining. But I think where we are now in this particular administration, it still may be at least one cycle out before something like this really becomes mainstream, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think just going back to the China banning mining thing, one thing that we realized, and I don't know which way around this is, so so please forgive me, I can't remember, but there's a wet season and there's a dry season in China. And in one of those, they use coal mining for, for Bitcoin mining during that time of the year. Now, all China said is that they want to clamp down on that part of the mining just to make everything a bit more eco-friendly. And I think, you know, you hear the the buzzwords, China ban and mining. And then, you know, there's probably a bit of, bit of some information that's lost in translation as well. And again, you just, it just adds fuel to the fire. So, and again, you know, there's been, um, is, was it Sailor then sat down with Elon last week or so, setting up this, you know, these these actual more energy efficient protocol, shall we say. And we're seeing Ethereum go a lot more eco-friendly. FTX have come out and said they're going to be carbon neutral. So I think it's going to be inevitable now that a lot of the crypto space will be a lot more eco-friendly going forward. Yeah. And, and I think it's just great for the space, you know, because the more, well, one of the arguments people always throw is the, the Bitcoin mining is too centralized. It's too, there's too much power in China. Okay, good. Let's see if China want to ban mining. Okay, good. Let, let let mining let more people set up mining hubs. You know, in the EU, in the US, in the UK, 
let more of that stuff be more spread out spread out across the globe instead of just it is it is a little bit centralized in one place in China, but that's the kind of way way things are. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I think we're. I, I think these things are going to happen sooner or later, and it's yeah. just a, just a coincidence that it's happened at this time. And again, you know, in, in we, we've noticed time and time again is that when the news comes, it all comes, you know, together. And then mm-hmm. one of us, I think, it was it literally last? So not yesterday, last Sunday, when we were hoping it was with the bottom. You know, Monday morning, we really were from a technical and fundamental viewpoint. Woke up Monday morning, Bloomberg have changed their sentiment. Goldman have come out and called it now an asset class. Ray Dalio now owns, well, publicly admits owning Bitcoin. And there was a couple of other things, you know, throughout the week. And it's very, and it, I think it goes back, you know, that Twitter thread that we that we found or we started across. I was just, just going to bring that up. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. Um, and it is so, it's, it, it, I think more and more by the day, we've seen that a lot of these moves and a lot of these pockets of, of, of news outlets are, are, are very, very orchestrated. And there's, there's no such thing as a coincidence in this space. It, it, I think that's probably more the manipulated side of, of the market as opposed to the actual price, if you like, because I think we found that, you know, crypto investors are generally a lot younger, a lot less experienced, and therefore they're a lot more influenced by a lot of these major news outlets and major news sources. And again, I think we didn't, I don't think anyone really realized, even probably Elon, the amount of impact that he actually has in the space. And, and it's annoying as hell as it is. We just got to, you know, face it head on, which is what Sailor was doing. And mm. we take it from there. Mm. I think Sailor's great for the space. I really. I, oh, Sailor's though, are Sailor's our guy, man. Sailor's yeah. Guy. Even though he's a Bitcoin, like, even though he's like a bit of a sometimes a bit of a toxic Bitcoin maxi, he's still great for pushing the space hmm. forward, man. You know, definitely, definitely. Oh no, Sailor is. I think in terms of his his work, in terms of bringing the institutions on board, and not just not just shouting out loud, actually, you know, explaining it to them and and building a yeah. log- logical and and you know applicable argument for it i think uh, sailor's our guy yeah sailor's our guy it's just it's just a shame that he seems to buy at the top every time <laughs> poor guy he's not his, his technicals need a little bit of work but his fundamentals uh send him nfnp man no fib no fight we'll, 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 we'll do it we'll do him a one-to-one with james and uh, <laughs> learn how to read the top kind of thing yeah he, he's great man he's definitely great okay and the final point i just kind of wanted to cover with bitcoin what we've kind of seen over the last few weeks and something I'm I'm really passionate about, something I'm really pissed off about, to be honest with you, is leverage. Leverage has been, it's been incredible to see how many people are jumping on these derivative exchange platforms like we're seeing with the inflows, right, Amish? There's a lot, there's more inflows coming just before the dip of 40K. There was more USDT and Bitcoin being transferred into derivative exchanges than there were into mm. spot exchanges. Yep. And that was scary, man. That was really, really scary to see. I mean, you guys know that I've I've always kind of stayed away from that side of things. It's just never really been yeah. my, just just not my kind of forte. I mean, I just I just I think early on, not necessarily getting burnt badly, but using Bitmax early on, I was like, this is going to end badly, isn't it? This is, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of damage that's being done here, isn't it? Just the way you move it. I did a lot of testing on Bitmax, and I was just like, this isn't for me. This is no 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 no. And again, like we've seen in the last couple of months, you know, you have a portfolio and you build it up nicely, and you just logic and sensible management and and your sat value is increasing at a value that you know and again we've we've spoken it with people who've said look i've tried to trade i've I've learned how to trade i know what i'm doing but my spot portfolio is outperforming my trading portfolio i said yeah i know what what do you want me what do you you want me to what do you want me to say about it you sit at home in front of a computer trying to trade all day and 
you know, we'll go out and enjoy the world and see who outperforms. So, but what we're seeing is that a lot of the, it's not just, it's not just that the fact that it's available, it's the fact that people don't know how to manage it. I mean, obviously, you know, shameless plug, James is, is obviously teaching people how to use leverage and how to use leverage according to the actual technicals, not just, oh, okay, if I get liquidated, I get liquidated. There's a way of using leverage and there's no real need to ever use more than two, three, to be honest, if you want to be consistently profitable. Yeah, you'll see on Twitter and you'll see on Instagram, these people who use 10, 20, 30, 100 times leverage, but they'll show you the one trade that they won and they won't show you the, again, you know, we're not going to go into any names or anything, but a couple of people who really know what they're doing got got burnt really, really badly on, on leveraged. Badly, man, badly. Yeah, in the last couple of weeks. And, you know, what would you rather do? Something that's two or three times leverage over and over again or you know, get that one unicorn trade of, of 100 times leverage and then your next 10, 12, 15 are in the complete opposite direction. So for me, it's a no-brainer. I mean, if you use leverage, use two or three, but the problem is, is that a lot of these people, not only are they not managing their leverage, but they're the first ones who are going to get, you know, stopped out by, by the bigger boys. And also too, as far as like coming on leverage, I also feel that a lot of people especially where we are in this particular industry, think that they can necessarily take their skill set from one arena and bring it over here and think that the same rules apply when it's a completely different way of, you know, looking at it and even analyzing it. So you may have some people who can leverage 10x in a different arena, whether you maybe trade gold or oil or something like that, and then you bring that same skill set over here. It just doesn't work because of the volatility is so crazy. And like we always mention, you know, buying on spot, the gains are insane if you're doing it properly. And you can still use your technical analysis mindset. But if you use that and, you know, like NFMP, of course, it helps you along the way. Just if, if you want to just learn it that way and just make 50, 100 percent without actually trading or losing a thousand to three thousand dollars on a trade. That's a really good point, man. You know, using the technical analysis approach, but for your spot portfolio. You know, instead of putting, instead of placing fibs on the one hour and the four hour, start placing them on the daily and the weekly, you know, and kind of yeah. a little bit um, as opposed yeah. to focusing on them lower timeframes. But nice, it's, it's really annoying, man. And one kind of observation, which has been pretty easy to see over this cycle is the 2017 cycle was more spot driven as opposed to driven by these kind of derivative exchanges as there weren't. I don't think people had as much access to it back then. So my, my question to you guys is like, does that hinder the industry anyway, the more these kind of derivative exchanges gain exposure, do we need less of that and more of just spot buying? Or is this just something we have to deal with? I think it's something that we have to deal with right now where we are. I think that as far as being an exchange, this is just my thinking. I could be wrong. This is just what I what I see when I think about this is that being that you have a lot of people who will get liquidated on leverage, it kind of balances out the payout of the people who are actually going to make realized profits in spot. So I think it's like a 50-50 to where it's like, okay, well, we can use these leverage liquidations to pay out these 100x, 1,000x, 10,000x gains that are made on spot. Could be wrong, but that's just you know my perspective on it. But I don't think it really like hurts anything. I just think it just continues to make the volatility crazy. But if you stay away from it and you focus on spot, it shouldn't really bother you one way or the other. Yeah. From my perspective, it's like the higher open interest is, 
you know, the more speculation there is in the market, right? And I know it is a speculative market to an extent, but it's, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that just makes sense to me in my head. There's more, the, more, the higher open interest is, is, the more speculation there is in the market and the more kind of euphoria and FOMO there is in the market. Yeah, and I think we're using these parameters, these metrics to try and, you know, gain where we're at and understand where we're at in terms of the, probably the more short and midterm part of the cycle, if you like. And open interest is is is, is a very, very useful indicator to for us that we, we have been using. I think going back to your original question, we we just have to face what it is at the moment. And, you know, it's, it's such a, a growing space that, you know, this time in, in the next cycle, that there could be something else that's driving the market or, or as big an influential factor. I think this is just where we're at. It's still a very, very young market. It's still highly, highly speculative. You know, if, if, if that's where, what we, what we're at and what needs to be kind of ironed out before the space progresses and matures, then it is what it is. You know, if people get burnt along the way, then which they will, and they have, and they will continue to do so. Unfortunately, it's just the, the, the nature of the market. You know, it's, you, you can't, you know, the one thing that if you ask anyone, any kind of stranger on the street, if you ask them, if they don't know anything about cryptocurrency, the one thing they, two things they'll probably say is that volatile and risky. You know, everyone, everyone knows that that's the nature of this space. And if you're going to, you know, extrapolate your Forex or commodity skills to trading for, uh, crypto, you know, good luck because you're, you're going to need it because uh, it's, it's, it's not just a like for like kind of thing. It is not at all, mate. It is not at all. It's not a game for the, for the weak for the weak-minded. Diamond hands only, man. Diamond hands only in this game. <laughs> but, what's, uh, what's harder than di- diamond? Because even diamond is... Uh, even, even you know, the last couple of weeks, we had a couple of diamond-handed individuals who were showing cracks, shall we say. They were showing cracks. Myself, in, myself included, man. I was, <laughs> I, was, I was right up there, man. My diamonds were cracking, bro. There's, there's a few little dents. You're the, you're the, I remember there was, I think maybe it was about a week or so ago, but you, you were a bit, you know, you were a little, uh, the ice was getting thin, shall we say. You know what? I, I, and I think I, I think I said it to you who we were speaking just recently, a couple of days ago on the phone. I felt like that Wednesday when the market crashed initially, it was like someone stuck a knife in me. And then the Sunday was like someone just like turned the knife like in my body. And I was just like, oh, this is just horrible, man. Horrible, horrible. So it was worse because obviously we were in phase two, right? And then we were seeing yeah. 30, 40% drops on alts, which is not nice to see. No, this but, was something different. This was like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. This was, yeah. This caught everyone Let's just, hard. You know what? Let's, why don't we talk about that Wednesday? Because what were you guys doing on the Wednesday? The funniest part about it was when that happened the day prior, I was like, you know what? I I was just getting really overwhelmed and exhausted at that point. And I even kind of messaged Amish and was like, man, I'm just getting like just tired because I constantly, you know, trying to help people understand it and meeting with friends and getting people to just understand it. It just became mentally draining for me. So I was like, you know what? I need like at least two days to just turn off the charts, not deal with crypto, not even think about it, not even talk to anyone. I told everybody, just leave me alone. Give me a break. Like I just need to just recollect my own personal thoughts. And Every time I decide to take a break, a trip, a vacation or anything, nothing typically happens in that three-day span. And so these were two days or whatever that came about. Next thing you know, markets just crashing. And I was like, I remember I told everybody, leave me alone. And so 
is just crashing. And I'm like, oh, no, I wonder how they feel, right? So I had to go back. And, you know, I checked with a couple people. But at that particular time, I was actually, like, away from the charts. And so, of course, you saw everything that happened. And you're like, oh, this is just a regular dip. We've seen this before. And then, like Dylan said, it dips again. And you're like, wait, hold on. This isn't usual. Like, how do I necessarily handle this? But for me, I think I was just at a place where I just was a little bit detached from the market at the time. So it worked out in my benefit. It. But how I was telling a lot of people, just my friends, and how to handle it is one, this is, of course, baptism by fire. So you have to kind of go through things like this. For me, as I mentioned it before, being that, you know, of course, by us and our timeline of when we started back in 2017 and going through three years of drawdown, I feel like that was worse for me than the drop the other day. And also, trying to look at it and help my friends out from a different perspective. I was like, the prices that you see this at now, you'll probably never see again. So you can look at it as an opportunity and a discount, but of course us and where we are kind of in this space and how long we've been in it, we've seen, you know, a significant drop, but this was something of, you know, uncommon proportions, but I think just where I was mentally at that time, it didn't have so much of an effect because I was actually trying to get away from the market and trying to just chill at that time. So I really was like, I'm not looking at it. Whatever happens, happens. If it hits zero, I'm sure people will call me. Yeah, that's a really good perspective, man. Like prices are at places now where we're we're never going to see in our lives. And like I was saying at the start of the episode, you know, 13th of April, when we recorded that last episode, I was looking at some of the prices. Sol was $28. Where is it now? $30. ETH was around about $2K, $2,200. Currently, uh, sorry, it went on to do almost $5K. Where is it at now? $2,200. So prices are only at where they were a month ago. So if you look yeah. at it from that perspective, it's not bad at all. But me, what I was doing on that day, it was just a regular day for me, man, on that Wednesday. I was just working. I went for some, I just saw the market was, it was, it was looking weak, man. It looked like it was going to roll over. And I went for some lunch. I was like, forget this. I've got my alert set. If anything bad happens, I'll get pinged. And I was eating my lunch. I was on, I was on the table and then all the alerts went <laughs> You got all the alerts, the all of them. One after the all other, man. Them. Every all single of one them. of them. All, all, the, of them. <laughs> all the coins, man. And then the BTC was the last one. And the 30K pinged off and it was just, it was, BTC was cracking 30K literally. And I was like, okay, let me finish my, let me finish my dinner and get back to my desk. And I was just watching the, the bloodshed, man. The bloodshed. It was not nice, man. It was not nice to see. Amish, man, what, what were you up to? I had a very busy day as usual, right? So I just remember um, getting a video from you just with a beer in your hand. <laughs> I was. I'll tell you I'll tell you the story behind the beer, right? So we were actually viewing offices for the fund and it didn't look great all the morning. Offices were great. I mean, you know, hopefully some of you will see those one day, but the, the charts did not look great, right? Four hours is a long time when the market is doing that. Let me tell you that. I think one thing we find is that one month in crypto is like three, six months in in the normal world, right? So it just didn't look great. And we could tell something it was going to really, really dump. It wasn't the the, the actual bottom, if you like. It was the one before that where a couple of people said to us, oh, that's the the capitulation wick. And we said, no, 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 no. That is not the capitulation wick. The only thing that we kind of said was, look, we don't know how low it's going to go, but whatever number we say, it will go lower, right? That was literally our thought process. We finished through the the offices and we're like, look, there's nothing really much we can do. All, all you can really do is make a bad decision at that point, as opposed to generally, generally you can't, you can't, the best thing to do is just leave it and let it go. We went to Nando's 
and there was a we thought there was a queue, right? So we're like, okay, we'll just we'll join the queue, but we'll go get a drink and we'll, we'll come back. And at this point, this was the the real, real, real capitulation, right? So what was it, 34, 33? And then as soon as we saw sub 30, that's when we were like, oh wow, okay, shit. We, not not as not, not as like uh, we're worried, but more like we were surprised. I was more surprised than I was worried. I wasn't worried. I'm I'm fully, fully, fully fine with these things. It's not it's not ideal, but it's fine. So we're waiting in the queue for Nando's, and we actually called some of the investors up and said, "Look, everything's fine." And I I kind of felt that okay, look, there's a lot of people in TCC that are going to be very, very, very concerned by this. So I just kind of went to the side a bit and record a little voice note and and I feel it is important that whether we realize it or not there's you know there's a lot of people who are I don't want to say relying on us but they feel I, I feel that it's important in those kind of times not to go missing and that's when you know people really look to you just for some sort of reassurance and it has been over the last week or so anyway so I put a little voice note in the group and then I went to finish my beer that was literally what we were doing and I think just as a bit of I don't want to call it nonchalance but just just the kind of instill a bit of confidence into everyone concerned, shall we say. I just, you know, just posted what I was doing, basically. You know, it was in the, it was in the midst of making a couple of phone calls. And what I actually did is I kind of put on my, on my personal network, shall we say, I kind of said, look, if you've missed the boat and you've not listened to me before, just buy Bitcoin. Don't ask questions. Today's not there for questions. Just buy some Bitcoin and some Ethereum and just leave it. If you've got any spare cash lying around, just, just buy some and, and do that. The rest of the day was was pretty, I say straightforward by, by our by, by our standards, but we just kind of wrote it out. You know, at that point, there's not really much you can do. Then I met a, 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 an old colleague for dinner and said, yeah, it was quite quite a rough day, to be honest, but that was good. I, I didn't say I enjoyed it, but we've seen it time and again, these 30, 40% dips and then seeing 50% is, it's, uh, it, it, does, it does shake you up a bit. And I think more than anything, it just, it, it does humble you and it keeps you on your toes and you'll be like, okay. If that happens again, what do we do? Or if this, that's from both the TCC and, and the fun side of things, it's a bit like, okay, you know, 34% is fine, but if there's something bigger than that, what do we do? So I think preparation is key. The one thing that I was so proud of is that apart from one or two people who I was quite surprised with, got a little shaken up, but they were fine. They were fine. Generally, everyone in TCC was, they were, they were, they were fine. They were absolutely fine. And probably the biggest learning lesson they had and the biggest frustration across the board was that people didn't have any spare fiat on the exchanges. Um, you know, it's hard enough at the best of times, but at that point it's almost impossible to try and get money onto exchanges. So I think a lot of people kind of thought, yeah. okay, you know, going forward, you just have a little bit there just in case it happens, buy it and off you go with your day kind of thing, get get the wings in and um, or any vegetarian alternatives for those and just continue with your day kind of thing and, and come back in two weeks and we're back where we are. And I have to say this on this platform as a, TCC member, yes, of course, you know, we have different relationships amongst the group. But as a member, and I'm speaking as a member, it was very, it was very important in my growth process as a person who does understand this subject a little bit, maybe a little bit more than my counterparts, to have you put in that audio message in the group because it, it, it was a light bulb that went off for me in that moment. And what it was was that. We understand this. And so sometimes, of course, we have a very playful banter, you know, when things like this happen. But like you say, uh, people are really looking up to us and looking to us to kind of guide them through this. And at that particular point in time, I was like, okay, well, I feel a certain way about this, but how would I feel if I was on the other side? 
you know, and so I had to kind of reel it in a little bit. And of course, like I said, I stopped what I was doing. I said I wasn't going to deal with it. And I just reached out to a couple people. But it was really that message that you put in the group that made me, you know, kind of change my perspective and say, okay, well, if we're offering an educational platform and people are here to learn, we can't necessarily look at things kind of the way we might sometimes. And you know, it, it may not bother us as much, but to a lot of people, this is something that they're really looking forward to happening for them. And so that 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 message really, you know, kind of changed me and changed my perspective on how I handle things moving forward, coming from more like a teaching perspective, if that makes sense. So I'm glad you kind of referenced that because that actually was something during that whole particular time that I actually got out of it from a growth perspective. That was not, I fully agree, man, fully agree. I think that was a, is a great touch from Amish to kind of put that audio message in there. When there was a lot of panic, I'm sure a lot of the TCC members were probably, especially in technicals, where, where it seems to be a lot more of like a close-knit bond between the kind of members in there. A lot of people were probably messaging each other back and forth, scrambling, panicking. And that, that message probably just brought, like, brought everyone like a sense of relief over them, you know, and they can just take a deep breath and just sigh and relax and just be like, okay, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. I think one thing with TCC is that, look, we don't, I don't really want to have, it sounds ridiculous, but um, people probably just going to say it's easy for us to say, look, it's just about a point where we can manage it on a day to day and it's fine and we like that and we want to be accessible. I think that's one of the, one of the things that we want to separate. We don't want 10,000 members because you can't have a relationship with 10,000 members. You know, if sometimes when I, when I talk to people and I do one to ones and stuff, I'll be like, well, tell me about yourself. I you're not just, another member it's like i want to know why you're doing this what's your story behind it how did you get here you know and then if you meet them in person you're like yeah i, I know what you do i know you know what you're not not your whole life story but just just to you know just to be a normal person and, and not just treat people like just another paid you know number shall we say it's it's you know there's real people real people in there and we always want to be accessible and we always want to be a lot more kind of down to earth and relatable as well. So um, I think it's important for us to have, you know, some sort of connection with with as many people as possible. And, you know, a lot of people are very private in there and I, and I really, really respect that. Some people are probably a bit too friendly in there. And it's, it's, it's great. You know, I love it. But I think it's just good for us to... James probably not so. He's, he's a little bit more private, should we say. But, you know, when we can, I think it's, it's, it's great for, for all of us. It's not just, you know, me and James, it's Corian and, and, and Dylan and, and Ravina and Howard and, and Diogo as well. It's everyone, you know. So, Corian, people ask me about you almost every day. So, yeah, you better get over here quickly, mate. <laughs> Coming soon. Well said, man. Well, well, well said. Very well said. Let's start wrapping things up. I usually wrap it up with the bull and bear game, but I, I, I want to just direct one question, Amish, towards you. Okay. <laughs> no pressure. Okay. No pressure. <laughs> Better not be, no. No pressure, sir. No pressure, sir, at all. Has anything changed? Is the blueprint void? Do we need to consider any downside? Good question. There's always a consideration for downside, especially because of what's happened the last couple of weeks. But I think if you had to sum it up in one chart, it would be ETHBTC. It was actually at resistance when it pulled back anyway. So if you look at it again from a macro point of view, it's exactly bang on track. And the last couple of days have shown that ETH generally looks stronger than Bitcoin, and especially today. So it looks fine. Blueprint isn't void. It's far from it. We saw these things happen in the last cycle. So we're right on track in terms of price, in terms of timing, in terms of alt season. If anyone wants to know for kind of reference... Phase two, probably till about July-ish or so, maybe. Phase three, probably August to October, maybe. And then phase four, towards the end of the year. But no, Blueprint is currently completely intact. And 
it looks like is going to continue to to play out as it were. So nothing's changed from a technical, macro, fundamental, TCC, any side of things. So yeah. Yeah, one thing that was really surprising to me was after the crash on Wednesday, probably Thursday or Friday, I was looking at some of the charts from, like like you just said, this happened last cycle. We were looking at Total 2, which is the altcoin market cap. We were looking at Ethereum. These coins dropped by like 70, 80% in the last cycle in phase two as well. And they recovered and they went on to make new highs. ETH was the craziest one, man. I think it went from like $400 to like $10 that, with, with that huge wick to on Kraken, I think it was. Insane, like insane. Probably like 90% really if you include the wick, more like 60, 70% if you, if you do it from like candle to candle. Yeah, this happened in the last cycle. And I don't know whether it's just a co- coincidence that we're seeing these kind of things match up very similarly. That's one thing which I kind of not rest my hopes upon, but gives me assurance that, okay, this has happened before. Yeah, I think, I think James like, showed, yeah. it, he showed it brilliantly yesterday on Technicals yeah. where you just go, look, it's the same thing. It's just a bit higher up, which you would yeah. expect from, from a maturing asset class. That was it. I was like, okay, cool. It's literally identical, the pullback. Literally, yeah. And that was, yeah, like I said, it, it really gave me a bit of reassurance that this is not like a one-off, okay, bear markets triggered kind of event. This has happened before. Yeah, even this week, Bitcoin was back over 40k, you know, only for a very short period of time. But, you know, a bear market doesn't go from 27 to 40k. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's just not that. True, true, great, great point. Yeah, what, what do you make of all this, like, kind of Wyckoff that's been kind of talked about a lot as well? Oh, God. <laughs> it's playing out quite well, isn't it? It actually uh, is playing out really well. I know, literally textbook, which makes me think it's a bit too much. I think today is probably the first day where it hasn't because we were expecting it to go lower, weren't we? Or just for fun yeah, yeah. there. Yeah. One thing that you, one thing that I was thinking yesterday is that last weekend liquidity was really low. And I think people were expecting mm. another similar drop this weekend and it hasn't really happened. So expect the unexpected is, is, is the only thing that kind of seems to be consistent. The perfect move, right? Sucker everybody in and then kind yep. of just send yep. them along, man, send them along. Yep. But yeah. But no, that Wyckoff, it makes sense. We were having this discussion the other day, like the more kind of these kind of institutional players come in, the more you're going to see the institutional patterns playing out on the charts. And that Wyckoff distribution, even though like us coming from that kind of retail crowd, we don't necessarily like and really take into account all these kind of different patterns that you see, you know, this 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 bat pattern or the, the you know, Bart Simpson pattern that we see on these ridiculous people come out with some, <laughs> people come out with some ridiculous stuff, right? That all this stuff's happening. But these are like legitimate like institutional patterns that play out in, in legacy markets. So the more these people come into the Bitcoin market and the crypto market, the more we're gonna see it as well. So maybe it's something to kind of take into account and maybe just acknowledge as well. Yeah, and I think, how, how is it pronounced? Wyckoff? Wyckoff? I don't know. Yeah, uh, I say Wyckoff, but it's Wyckoff. I, I say know. Wyckoff. Is it Wyckoff? Okay. Yeah, um, I don't know. I have no that, idea. That one, even because we're looking into to different levels of it, we probably won't share too much here, but you know, in terms of the volume and things like that, there's there's a lot more parameters in there than just, just yeah. it. understanding as to why it, it plays out like that. I think, yeah, it's it's a fascinating one. Hopefully it doesn't play out from here. Shall we say? <laughs> well, 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 the distribution's played out. Hopefully the accumulation. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is, is in the middle of playing out right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, man. Okay, boys. Lovely, lovely catching up with you both. And I think we'll call it a wrap there for episode one. What do you um, think? I just have one last thing to say. Go for Uh-oh. it, man. In case people weren't sure and people Uh-oh. are new to the space, Chelsea FC are the official European oh, champions. Go. Here we go. Here you we know go. it's coming. You know it was and the fact that it's taken the best part of an hour to even bring this up is is disgusting. Here we go. But I let it, you know, we let it slide because it's been a while. But 
James and I are very happy. We're very bullish. This is that was the the trigger for the reversal and uh, up only from here. So special <laughs> special mention to Thomas Tuchel, Mason Mount, Kai Havertz, and and obviously obviously yeah, my dad won't, won't forgive me if I don't say his name. So Angola Kante, but no, we all is well. All is, is super, you, super, super bullish. Were you guys the underdogs going into that game? Like, yes, uh, massively. On, with the bookies? Massively, yeah, yeah, yeah. Massively, yeah, yeah. yeah I thought you would have been. I thought you would have been. Because yeah. I'll be honest, yeah, I thought City would have been. I was 90, 90, well, 90% we, sure we, that City we, would have we, been. Doing. We knew where your interests were. We have it in writing. So yeah, 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 yeah. There's that as well. <laughs> that, no, no, no. There's, there's that, there's that, but like just the fact that City haven't won it and well, I'm Pep's not won that. it. Well, Pep, Pep's not won well, it with City for years. Pep still ain't won it. Well, yeah, 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 I guess so. I mean, so uh, now you put some respect on, on my boy's name. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll be there next season as well. Uh, anyway, boys, lovely catching up. We'll see you guys on episode two. Send it. Send, Send it. it.